be the, the good, godly parent that, that God wants us to be. And last week we looked at the role of children. We talked about their responsibility in honoring father and mother and exactly what that looks like. That we see Solomon spend a lot of time describing what that means and how to do that. And one of the reasons he spends time talking about that is not only that we will be found pleasing to God, but when there is a proper relationship between parents and children, you are able to live a better life now. It makes things a lot easier. And that's what Solomon is trying to teach his son and explain to him is that you can go down an easier path in life and have a lot less difficulties if these things will be put into place. So today, uh, we are going to look at the characteristics of being a good woman. Don't worry, next week we'll look at the characteristics of being a good man. And it's interesting, though, and realize that that Solomon is talking to his son. So don't forget the context of what the Proverbs sit around, is that he's explaining to his son, well, well here's the, the, the kind of woman you should be looking for and, and the kind of people you should spend your time with. And so this isn't a Proverbs to say, okay, uh, now Solomon is going to beat all the women with a stick about how they really ought to act. That's not how this is written. This is, again, father to son. Son uh, you want to live the good life now. You want to walk in wisdom and righteousness with God. Well, these are the things you should look for. And next week he will then say, here's the things you should do yourself. But look at these characteristics of what a good woman looks like. As we uh, look at these Proverbs, be mindful that in the Old Testament, woman and wife are the same Hebrew word. And so you can flip them around. And so while many of the translations will use wife, if you are not married, don't think that this isn't talking to you. Uh, It it, it is. This is talking about general characteristics uh, that all women would want to attain to. And men, don't tune out. Uh, I don't think you would, but (laughs) these are the things then that you should be looking for uh, in a good, godly woman. Interesting as we, we begin... Uh, Solomon spends time talking about the excellent wife. Um, You may know of Proverbs 31, which talks about the worthy woman. Now, that was not stated by Solomon, and that's why we're not going to touch it right now, because we are looking at the relationship that Solomon is talking to his son about wise things that he needs to do. King Lemuel is the one who speaks in chapter 31 about the worthy woman. But I bring that up because the King Lemuel uses the same Hebrew word, this worthy woman, this excellent woman, that Solomon uses here uh, in this first proverb where we read an excellent wife or worthy woman, the same wording right there. The worthy woman, excellent wife, is a crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness to his bones. That's Proverbs 12. In verse 4. I think this is an interesting beginning that that Solomon gives to his son. And and this proverb has a a lot of applications as to what he's really uh, communicating and trying to say. Here's what I want you to look for uh, in in a woman. And and I think the first thing that, that comes to mind in reading about that is that we have a saying in our society, and I know women like it a lot, is behind every good man is a good woman. And there's a, a truth that exists in that proverb that is stated right here by, by Solomon in the way that it's, it's worded, that, 
you have the excellent wife or the worthy woman. It is a crown to the man. It is it is a, a cause of honor is what that would be indicating. Here is uh, somebody who causes great honor for the man. By contrast, the one that is not the worthy woman is not excellent woman. It causes rottenness to the bones. It causes shame to take place. Which what I want us to see then is that there is an effect that one has upon another. That the woman reflects upon the man just like a man will reflect upon the woman. And we talked about that with parents and children. We may note that children bear a reflection upon us to a certain degree. That the actions and the decisions that they make and the choices in life or roads they go down, that bears a reflection upon us, whether it be positive or rather, whether it be negative. And the same is true in regards to, to a, a man and a woman, is that the choices that are made have a reflection and they have an impact upon the other person. And, and Solomon, if you can see this, now sitting down with his son and says, Choose wisely, because if you choose well and you, you, you find the, the excellent wife or the worthy woman, it will be a crown to you. It, it will be a, a, a tremendous positive in your life. It will, it will be an honor to you. But by the same token, find a woman who is not like that, it will cause you great pain. It will bring you shame to your life. And what a phrase, rottenness to the bones. That's a very destructive term to say. How, how would you like that kind of feeling? That that inner aching, oh, you know, that, that's the idea there. Of this tremendous amount of shame and anguish and pain. That is what you will endure. The choice you make is very important. And those of us who are older who are already married, uh, I think it's really important for us to communicate that to the younger. Children or no children, the people that we know and those who are younger... That decision that you make about who you are going to spend the rest of your life with cannot be taken lightly. And here Solomon is really saying that to his son. is saying it is almost like a make you or break you kind of decision that it can be glorious and honorable and wonderful, a crown upon your head. It can be uh, the, one of the, the greatest joys in that decision. Or it can be outright miserable shame. Rottenness to the bones, painful, and should not be entered into quickly or lightly. And that's what I think Solomon tried to express this to his son to say, pay attention to the choice that you make. Uh, because uh, that, the, that character in a woman is very important. And that's what he goes on in Proverbs 14 and verse 1. He does similarly. Wise woman builds her house. But the foolish tears it down with her own hands. This is a, a, a very interesting picture that, that's given here as well. And notice that, that we're talking about a house, obviously not talking about brick and mortar that, uh, you know, that, that crazy woman's out there, you know, taking a sledgehammer to the stucco. Uh, we're, we're talking more about the people in the household. And what I think Solomon is trying to tell us is that the, the woman sets the tone or the atmosphere for the home. Her dealings in the house set the tone for what it's going to be like. And here's what he, he's saying. The wise woman will create an atmosphere, set a tone, create circumstances that will build up the people in the house. It will be edifying to the children and to the spouse. 
and to herself. Remember, she's a member of this house. And so by tearing it down, she's only hurting herself in the process. Building it up, she is doing something for herself in this process. So it's wide-ranging effect. A wise woman will do things in the household so it is positive and beneficial for the children, for the spouse, and for herself. A foolish woman makes an atmosphere and a tone that tears it down, that ruins that, that makes it a misery to be in the household. And that is the picture that Solomon, again, saying to us, son, keep your eyes open, look for the wise woman, because the wise woman will understand the cause and effect of her decisions. The choices that she makes in the house bear greatly upon the atmosphere and the tone of what the household will be like. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Uh, we all have an influence in setting the tone of what it's going to be like in our in our home. But women make a great impact as to what the home is really going to be like. What it's really going to be like. Will it be very warm and hospitable? Or will it be very cold and not hospitable? I mean, you have the, the, that, that often bears greatly uh, upon the woman. And Solomon says, pay attention. The wise woman is going to do things to build up the house, to encourage the house. And I would just ask the question then, that that, that women need to think about their role in in the home. And think about, are you doing things that, here Solomon say, that you would walk away and say, that decision is building the house up. That decision is improving the household. Or, are your actions and your decisions Tearing the household down. And I think that's a very good test that we could lay at our feet and say, all right, before I make decisions about this house and the things that we're going to do, the actions, decisions, will this build up the inhabitants in this household? Will it help them? Or will it destroy them? Will it hurt them? Will it tear things down? Solomon telling his son, choose the wise woman. This is a beautiful picture. Proverbs 11.22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Every week I tell you there's another favorite. There's another favorite. <laughs> I love that proverb. That is a, 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 just a great proverb. Your initial reaction when you read this proverb is you say to the gold ring, what a waste. <laughs> that is this, the initial reaction is, what a waste. Here is this valuable, beautiful gold ring, and you stuck it in the slobbering snot of the nose of a pig. Why would you do that? What a waste. It's a pig. Why would you put this valuable gold ring in a pig? And as beautiful as the ring might be, you can't get past the disgusting image of the pig. That's the idea of the proverb is it doesn't matter how you dress up the pig. It's still a pig. It doesn't matter how you adorn it. You still have a pig. And the pig then is still disgusting. The gold ring is wasted. It doesn't beautify the pig. It just makes the ring (coughs) ugly. Hear that again. It makes the ring ugly. Would you want that ring now? Oh, oh, it's wasted. I'll take that ring and give it to you. (laughs) You can keep the ring. (laughs) The ring is wasted. That is the idea. Apply all of those thoughts now to the beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Apply all of that to the beautiful woman 
who lacks discretion. Like the gold ring, here is a woman who has physical beauty, but all of the external beauty is overlooked because there's something disgusting, a lack of discretion. She makes bad decisions. She does not make wise choices. And that ruins the outer beauty. That's the idea of the proverb. That gold ring becomes tarnished. And so the woman becomes tarnished because of the bad decisions. And so I think it's really important to to, to see this. You will not find uh, yourself beautiful if you make bad, foolish decisions. That's what he's kind of getting at here is you can do all these things to the external, but your beauty is wasted if you make bad, foolish decisions. It's just a waste. That's what we said the very first words of this proverb. The gold ring is a waste in the pig. The outer beauty is a waste if it is not met with wise decisions. That's where I think Peter said this. We often... Have, I've often read this used in a lot of different ways, but I think that's the point of what Peter is saying here. Your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. Now, Peter wasn't saying, you know, don't be pretty. What he's saying is, you won't be pretty if you don't have these characteristics. And that's what Solomon is saying. You can have all of these outward things, but you know what? That's not going to matter. If you do not have the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of gentle, quiet spirit, that's valuable things in God's eyes. A woman who has discretion is of the utmost importance. That's what makes the beauty is the internal characteristics, that internal beauty of wise decisions, well thought out, planned, wise, worthy woman who builds up the house. That is the beautiful thing. And that's what Solomon is saying, is do not look past that. And I think that's important to say that to our younger as well. The, the young don't, don't, don't know this now, right? That your decisions impact that inner beauty. <laughs> uh, don't be so concerned about the outer beauty. If you make wise, godly, good decisions, you will be beautiful. That's what here Solomon is saying. Pay attention and realize that those inner characteristics are what matter most. Otherwise, it's a gold ring on the snout of a pig. And so be very careful then. And so we want to work on ourselves. Now, by the same token, this is, this is funny, don't blame me, but if Solomon spends time talking about what the annoying woman, and I just, it's very funny to me that, that Solomon would do this. I don't remember my dad doing that. I don't remember saying, now, let me tell, show you what an annoying woman looks like. You know? He didn't do that. He, you know, here's what the woman should look like, but not a lot of what, here's what you should run away from. But, but Solomon spends a lot of time talking about that, so it's important to look at it. He says, a foolish son is his father's room. Just stop there for a minute. Remember, we talked about that last week. That, uh, the, that relationship of the decisions of a son have great impact upon the parents. And we, we made a, a big point about that. Useful to see it again here as it's tied to uh, the characteristics of a woman. So a foolish son, those bad decisions, causes ruin to the reputation, to the heart of the father. And a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. 
Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. The first thing I want you to see is there is a contrast here. You have the quarrelsome wife with the prudent wife. And I think that's useful to see is that he does draw a a parallel that exists here. As the prudent wife is from, from the Lord, however, this quarrelsome wife, it is a constant dripping. Now that is... Uh, some good language for way on back that we don't really have right now, because back then you'd had you had leaky roofs, and you know most of us I don't think really have leaky roofs where you'd all night listen to the constant dripping in a rainstorm. It would cause uh, that drip, 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 drip to happen. But you may have had it in in your life where you've had that dripping faucet, and it doesn't take long for you to seek out and wander around the house to figure out. Where is that noise coming from? And what you see is that why we've used the word annoying is that's what Solomon is saying to his son. Is that there is an annoyance factor that exists here. Uh, here is this woman who, who, who starts fights. Who, who enjoys these quarrelings. And he says, realize that that will be a great annoyance. It will be a tremendous problem. Prudent wife. What does it mean to be prudent? Well, that's what he's spending time with. Wise decisions. Well thought out, good choices. The the prudent wife will not do that. Houses and wealth are from the parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And so looking at them, uh, he's trying to get his son to understand what a challenge it is to be with the quarrelsome woman. Because he will now spend three proverbs saying almost the exact same thing, which talk about... When you say it once, I mean it, but say it three times, I'm really trying to get the point across. It's interesting that Solomon says this a lot. Better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That's an interesting proverb. And you read that, it's, that's, that's kind of humorous. That's Proverbs 21.9. And then a little bit later, he said it again. 25.24, that, the exact same words. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. I've got to see that in action when I lived in Arkansas. It always cracked me up. But we'd, we'd drive to my, to my parents' house. And on the way there, we'd go through this little subdivision to jog out the main road. And we'd always pass by this house. And there was always a man sitting in a, a lawn chair right at, the edge of the dri- uh, right at the edge of the garage at the back of the driveway. And you see it once or twice and you think, well, it's, you know, no, no big deal, you know. But then you'd see it in the middle of July, 99 degrees, and the heat index is 110, and here's this guy sitting in the lawn chair in the driveway. And I'm thinking, is it that bad inside that you're sitting out here in the driveway? And then winter would come. And, I mean, you got the the ice on the road and everything, and he's sitting in the driveway. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on in the house that this old retired man, every day we ever went to my dad's house, he was sitting in the driveway. And I was like... It would, it would be nighttime, he'd be driving home, he's in the driveway. We'd go early in the morning, he's in the driveway. I'm thinking, he doesn't want to be in the house. He'd rather dwell in the corner of the driveway than get in the house. I, I, when I saw that, I thought, that is just the, the most classic picture I've ever seen. And you may have seen neighbors that way in your own places where, you see, the, that man just refuses to be in the house. He will do everything else but be in the house. He's out working on the car at four in the morning because he'd rather do that. That's what, what Solomon is describing here. That to be with the quarrelsome wife, the quarrelsome woman, he says, you're, you're better off just sitting on top of the roof. Notice he says it again slightly different in Proverbs 21, 19. Better to live alone in the desert 
than with a quarrelsome and angry woman. Interesting. That's what that guy in the driveway, better to sit in a 110 degree heat index than to go outside. Go inside and be in the house. It's fascinating. But there's an important truth that Solomon is saying to his son is to look for that and recognize that, that characteristic. The, the, the quarrelsome one, you don't want to be around. That's really driving the point home to really think about that. You don't want to be around the quarrelsome person. You know, that's true in all our relationships. That's not just marriage. That, that's in any relationship. You don't want to be around the person who likes starting fights. We don't want to be friends with a person like that. If they're always starting to fight with us, you finally throw up your hands and say, I don't want to be around you anymore. That's what he's saying. Watch out. You want to stay away from that. Better to be alone in the middle of the desert than to be around that, that kind of person. And so very, very important uh, to, to keep in mind. And I think that's, that's the ultimate point. I don't think Solomon is saying, you know, don't ever make, make a woman mad. You know, that's not the idea. The idea is to really pay attention to the character of the person because the prudent woman is from the Lord. The quarrelsome woman is what causes it dripping and cause you great pain in your life. Notice he says that similarly here, Proverbs 27. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. That's a, a really interesting way to describe it as well. Okay, you got your leaky roof picture again. Here's that annoyance. This leak. Okay, we've got to have that stop. But notice the rest of it. To make it stop, he says it's not possible. To make the annoyance stop, you can't make it stop. If you'd like to try it, go home, get yourself out a big bowl, pour in all the vegetable oil that you can, and try to pick up that oil and walk around with it. There you go, here's your oil. That's, what that's, that's the picture. You can't do it. It's not possible. It's like trying to restrain the wind. We'll all go outside after services, and we'll all try to make the wind stop. <laughs> you can't do it. And I think that's a very useful proverb to keep in mind, because uh, there's only one person who can stop the quarreling. And that's the person who started the quarrel. And I think that's a really important proverb to see. Because what we often do is the reverse. Is, well, if you did this, or said this, or did better at that, then we wouldn't be having this problem. Not true, according to Solomon. Solomon says, you'll just find someone else to fight about. <laughs> you can't stop. It's like stopping the wind or, or grabbing oil. The only person who can stop it is the person who started it. And so that's what I think is interesting that with what he describes here. Um, we often lie to ourselves about the reason why we, we do these activities, why, why we become a person like this. And we have to realize a lot of it falls upon ourselves. Uh, we often want to point the finger at everybody else, and it's like all of the other emotions. We talk about anger. When we did that way on back about a month ago or so, we talked about, you know, we passed blame. We passed the responsibility. If he hadn't cut me off, if they hadn't done this or done that, I wouldn't have been angry. Well, that's all Solomon is doing right here, is the exact same thing, is, is don't pass the buck. Don't say, oh, well, if you had done this, that, or that, we wouldn't have had this, this total blowout. That, that, that's not true. That's not true. The responsibility is placed upon ourselves. Um, also in this picture, it's interesting that the, the, the dripping won't stop till the rainstorm's gone. And that's the idea there as well. It's not going to stop 
uh, until the cause of the dripping stops. And that's why that picture is drawn out this way. That's the only way it's going to quit. So what I want to do as we wrap up the final few minutes then is just talk about what are the characteristics that Solomon then has left for us to consider. First, the character of a worthy woman, the excellent wife, that builds up the household, doesn't tear it down, really should be very thoughtful about the decisions that are made in the home if they're very small decisions or rather they're very big decisions. Uh, And the actions that you take Really an important test. Are you doing this for the betterment of the inhabitants of the house? Is this for the good of your spouse? Is this for the good of your children? That should really be an important test that goes through our minds in trying to decide how we make decisions in the home. Uh, Build up the household. The worthy woman builds it up. Remember what he called the other woman who tears it down? A fool. And none of us like that description upon ourselves. A foolish woman would make decisions that would hinder the home. Second, your inner beauty matters most. I think that, that talk about a lost thought in our society today. <laughs> talk about a very lost thought in our society today. And we need to teach that not only to ourselves, to our children, to other people. The inner Beauty matters most. And you build the inner beauty through wise and good decisions, godly decisions. That's what will build that inner beauty. The, the outer is only going to be wasted if we lack that kind of discretion, if we do not make those good decisions. And you know, we've got uh, TV shows about extreme makeover where they, you know, they break these poor women's faces and body parts and <laughs> put them back together, bionically reconstruct them. How about reconstructing the soul? How about an extreme makeover on the heart? That's what Solomon says needs to be done. You fix the internal things, everything else will be fine. Don't worry so much about those external things. Don't worry about the outer beauty so much. You make yourself beautiful on the inside by being godly, by being righteous, by being wise. Then that will take care of those other things. Friends, that's so important. So important. We know our society really shoves that down our throat today. The magazines and the TV shows and the movies, that all that matters is physical beauty. And I don't know. Women should stand up and say, I don't want to take it anymore. <laughs> you know, that's nonsense. It is just total nonsense. And so God steps in and says, your, your value is not based upon that. Your value is not at all placed upon that. Place it upon the things that really matter, the godly things. Finally, don't be quarrelsome. Because it's going to drive people away. And I think that's important to see. And we do that in life. And we have to recognize that that might be why we have broken friendships, broken relationships, things like that. Is because we can be those kinds of people in our relationships. Marriage relationships, friend relationships, family relationships. If we are always starting the fight and causing the problems... People are going to distance themselves. Why are you the black sheep of your family? Might be the reason why. You might be a quarrelsome person. And they don't want to be around you anymore. The distance in a friendship, maybe there's quarreling. And they don't want to be around you anymore. They can't take it. Same thing in marriage. You wonder why one's distant from another. 
that might be the reason. You don't want to be want to endure that anymore. And so it's true in all of the relationships that we are in. And so let's not be quarrelers. The prudent one, the wise one, recognizes that wise decisions will keep us away from those kind of activities. And we're not going to cause and start fights. Rather try to work out solutions. Now, before all the women hang me, <laughs> uh, next week, all of the men, we're all going to take our medicine because Solomon does not leave us either. They're wise decisions of what a man should do. And he describes that as well. That's just as important. In all of these things, it's not about being able to go home and say, well, see, you're not doing anything right. It's about changing ourselves to be in the image of God. One of the most fascinating passages to me has always been Ephesians 5, that God would have the audacity to take the husband and wife relationship and tie a correlation to Christ and the church. I always read that and go, that's a dangerous thing to do. Because if there's fights, quarrelings, and problems, and you're saying, here's how Christ loved the church, there's a high standard of responsibility of what a man should be and what a woman should be. Such that Paul could come along and say, you can see that relationship between Christ and the church. I think it's an interesting thing that God does. God is the one that matters of this. That we are conforming our character to be like God. And that's what the scriptures are full of. We're not to be people who are striving. We're not to be people without bursts of breath. We're not to be people that, that drive others away. We're supposed to be people who model Christ. Don't forget that we're not only modeling Christ right here for the hour that we all see each other. We model Christ in our homes where nobody sees us. It is easy to model Christ for one hour amongst all of you. It's much more difficult to be the model of Christ when nobody sees us. And nobody knows And we've all got our family secrets and nobody's going to tell anybody else what everybody else does at home. And every decision and every action, is this what God would want me to do? Will this build up my life? Will this bring glory to God? Will it build up the inhabitants of the life? We want wise women. We want wise men. who stand and show themselves as model examples of what a Christian looks like and looks like he's walking and she is walking down the footpaths of Jesus Christ. That's why we talk about these things. So please don't go home and bludgeon each other. (laughs) It is to take home and think about how we can better ourselves to be pleasing in the sight of God. You pull your psalm books out now. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And we are inviting you to see that God has given the instructions of living the good life. That He hasn't left us alone here, but has told us if you will make these wise decisions, things will be somewhat easier. You will not have as many of the difficulties. But most importantly, you will be found pleasing to God. And that's what matters most. We do these things to be found pleasing to God. We want to stand on the day of judgment and be found righteous in His sight. We want to be found the good and faithful servant who enters into the home. That's what matters most. And we all have different situations, circumstances, ordeals that we all have to deal with. But what matters is being the person that God wants us to be. And we must not make excuses 
as to why we do not be the Christian, why we do not be the man, why we do not be the woman that God wants us to be. And so think about your situation today and think about how you could submit to Jesus Christ. If you have not been immersed in the water for the forgiveness of your sins, that is the primary, most important place to start. Think about your relationship with God. Think about what it's going to mean when the Lord returns and he calls into judgment all of our decisions, all of our actions, all of our choices. We're going to get the grace of God. The only way to have the grace of God applied to you is to ask for forgiveness, repent of your sins, confess that he is Lord, be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Won't you do that today? Won't you come forward and ask for that while we stand and while we sing?